Hello and welcome to Touchline from myself, Casper Els and Mark Cameron. Hello, Mark. Hi, Klaus. Nice being back in the studio. Extra excited tonight as we have an international host in you know, ex-Springbok joining us all the way from Ireland. So looking forward to this show specifically. Yes, and we welcome Mr. Dan Van Sale to, to the studio tonight. Hello, Dan. Hello, and thanks for having me, man. It's, uh, it, it seems like we're neighbors. Uh, you know, Zoom, Zoom does wonderful things, although we're miles apart at the moment. But thanks for the opportunity to share some thoughts with you guys. For those of you that don't know who Dan Van Sale is, which I doubt very much, Dan, a former South African rugby player, spent the last 18 years coaching in Ireland. Dan worked for the Leinster branch of the Irish Rugby Football Union as a coaching development officer for 11 years, responsible for planning, development, managing, and implementing coaching rugby programs through all age groups and genders. Dan's also been involved in the game in mini rugby, youth rugby, women's rugby, sevens, senior level, and have coached international and provincial club and school level. Dan's coaching achievements, 27 trophies, six promotions, and coaching on the European Under-18 International Tournament. Dan, quite an impressive CV you have here. Sorry, are you sure you've got, are you sure you've got the right guy there? <laughs> I'm 100% I'm sure I've got the right guy there. Just, just something interesting okay. that I've seen there as well. Dan, Jake, you've, um, you've actually got Springbok colours in three different disciplines. Yeah, no, well, um, I played for, uh, I did judo for South Africa, although yes. it was at, at junior level, so it wasn't uh, Springbok, it was junior Springbok, but 14, three test matches, whatever you call it, I don't know if you call it test matches or, or what, but fought against Israel, America and, and France. Yes. And uh, then played SA um, Colts um, action cricket. And then obviously rugby for South Africa. And then uh, cricket was uh, just at, at provincial level and, and played, played um, not international level, but a lot of at provincial level. Provincial level. But quite an impressive CV. Ah, thanks. Dan, to go to your your work now in Ireland. What is the Irish Rugby Academy's focus and mandate? And how does that fit into the, the Irish Rugby? Look, we are independent academy, so we, we separate from the, the IRFU. And uh, Irish Rugby is quite well run uh, with the four national academies, Munster, Ulster, Leinster and Connacht, the four, four provincial academies. But we saw a gap sort of in the market and it's probably a southern hemisphere idea with with you know you guys will probably be familiar with it more more than people here about the the academies uh, that they have in south africa you know uh, i know even the sharks academy you know where you pay to to get into the academy and then afterwards people decide are you good enough to stay on or not so so that's we saw a market in that because I, in my work for Leinster over the years, felt that there's a lot of good players that don't get selected for whatever reason. They might yes. have been injured at the wrong time or coaches' perception um, didn't suit them or whatever the case may be. 
and and that's when business partner and myself decided look maybe why why don't we give it a shot and and see if there's a market for it and um we now in our third year and so far so good you're talking about your business part- partner can i then ask you what is your responsibilities and du- and duties within the within the academy i'm responsible for the rugby program uh within the academy so the day to day rugby activity and uh getting tutors in, getting coaches in, and that sort of stuff. And then Johan Taylor, who's my business partner, he's, uh, he's responsible for all the operational stuff uh, and so on. But I'm, I'm sort of director of, of the rugby program. So, Dan, just on that quickly, um, before I go to the next question, uh, a question that I have with regards to your academy, it's not solely for rugby players, am I right? You do coaches as well? Yes. No, we actually get, uh, we've got a South African coach actually coming over to us now on the 4th of January for a month. So, nice. and coming to experience uh, also what we do um, with that, you know, uh, he does a few co- courses over here and we try and get him as much experience at the different levels, whether that's school, club or whatever level, you know, so that he can experience us as many co- different coaches or coaching styles as, as possible. So, no, we definitely um, there for, for coach and a uh, big belief in, a, in us is also for coach development. And then obviously you do male and female, am I right? Male and female. Uh, we've got a female uh, coordinator now, uh, starting with a women's under 20 team. We're the first, first ones in Ireland that's, that's going to do that. Um, and then we've got girls in our program as well. So as as rugby develops, uh, you know, we feel that that the women's market is is also developing at at great pace. Yeah. And do you do fifteens and sevens? Uh, sevens, we we don't do um, at the moment. Although it's something that that we have discussed, but at the moment we're only focusing on fifteens. Okay. Now we follow you. And, Se- uh... Sevens won't. At, at the moment, sevens won't be, although Ireland is now on the circuit. Um, but sevens, up, you know, there's no sevens being played in schools. Yeah. There's no sevens being played in clubs and, and so on. So basically the players getting picked for the sevens would be, they get picked out of the, the players get picked out of the academy setups right, yeah. to, play, to play sevens. Okay, so having said that, how does club rugby fit into the academy setup? And uh, what benefits do clubs get out of your academy in Ireland, obviously? Look, how it fits into players come to us, they live, everything happens in Kilashi, uh, where we're based. Um, and we run a program from Monday morning till Friday, Friday evening. Uh, players then play for their clubs on the weekends. Um, and they also train once or twice a week uh, with their clubs, whether that's a Wednesday and a Friday night or whether that's a Tuesday or Thursday night. And then depending the league that they play in, they either play on Saturday or Sunday. So we provide clubs with players. So we're not a team. Uh, we actually individual based. So although we're 15 guys in our academy at the moment, uh, they'll all play for, for different clubs. And we try and try and help the clubs that way. So we provide their overseas player for them um, and also spreading the word of, of Rugby Academy Island. Cool. What advice can you give to a club like a Mums and Toti Rugby Club? 
um, from your experience um, coaching in Ireland? Jeez, if, if uh, train on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do sometimes, we do. <laughs> yeah, you said, yeah, no, I, I'm, je I'm jealous that you guys can do that. But uh, no, we've, we've actually got it, what we call a core project. And I think um, within that is coach the team. Uh, how can I phrase this? I think what a lot of clubs go wrong is they try and superimpose what you two guys probably as the adult coaches are trying to do and they superimposing that on the under 13s or under 14s or under 16s depending on you know uh, what age groups you have in your club so so we we've actually got a core uh, what we call a core project where from under seven rugby all the way through to to adult rugby certain principles certain uh things that we believe players should be able to do when they're seven years of age, yeah. when they're eight years of age, when they're 10 years of age, and then and then trying to educate the coaches according to that rather than, as I say, the yes. under 10 coach playing a Jake White style of rugby or a, okay. um, Andy Farrell style of rugby and trying to superimpose what the international game is offering onto, onto youngsters and not letting them develop um, at the right time. Well, obviously, a lot of that has got to do with the different skill sets of the players. The younger you are, the less you probably have, and so forth. Yeah, I mean, at, um, if I s simply take, say, for instance, say passing, which which we all know, you know, at, at seven years of age, if a person can get the ball from A to B, you're not too much worried about how it gets there. Then at eight years of age, you try and teach him to, okay, don't drop your hands, keep your hands high, mm. just just across the body. At nine years of age, it's an early reach or feet position or whatever. At 10 years of age, you're trying to, or you're starting to develop a switch pass or, or that sort of. So at every stage, players um, have something else. So by the time, uh, or theory would say, by the time they're 15 or 16, they should be able to do a bit of everything. Mm. Um, but you know they they had enough time to learn a certain skill without being bombarded by different patterns of play and and all those type of things. Then would you then say at age fifteen sixteen that a player should have a full set a full skill set? No, but would have a good understanding. You know, and oh. that's that's where I believe in Ireland. The Ireland setup when I first got here didn't really believe in it because again there's no competitive rugby until you're thirteen years of age. Um, all mini rugby, you play five a side, then you play seven a side, then you play, uh, sorry, five a side, eight a side, ten a side, twelve a side, and the first time you play fifteen a side will be at thirteen years of age when you go to to secondary school, um, and that's also the first time when you play competitive rugby. So there's no streaming, there's no A side, B side, C side, D side, you know, um, everybody gets mixed. So you play with mixed abilities. So you go to a under 11 blitz, as they call it. You play on the day, you play against four different clubs. And those clubs or, or school teams, as I say, they won't have an A, B, C or D side. It will be mixed abilities thrown together. And I think that develops the good player because he must learn how to play with a weaker player better. And I also think mm. it benefits the, the weaker set and so on. That's required to to play like 
like the the better player, you know. So and and in Ireland, it's very difficult to have a full skill set at 15 years of age because we only start lifting in the line out at 16 years of age, for sure. instance. Okay, it just shows you that um, you know if we compare our junior rugby to Irish junior rugby, then in theory we should be way ahead of Ireland for the simple reason that at a young age already, you know, under eight and under nine, we have those things in place where you guys only start when you're technically under 16. Yeah, no. So as I say, line out lifting only 16 years of age, you know, but, but that teaches guys a lot of movement on the ground again, you know, like I know line out is a technical aspect, but if you have first and second years in, in secondary school, You've got to do a lot of short lineouts. How do you how do you identify space in the lineout? Yeah. How do you move on the ground? So although there's no age jumping technique because the player must jump himself, and then also as I say the ground. So there's a lot of um, there's a lot of and the, and the other thing Ireland is totally different from South Africa. Like rugby is the number three sport. Correct. So the training age of the players are a lot less. You know oh. where say an under-11 player in South Africa will train twice or three times a week and play a game, a player in Ireland will train once a week and the other week he'll play. Yeah. You know, so so you compare that over a three or four-year period, the, the, the training age of players is a lot less, but then suddenly at under-18 under to 20 level, they catch up very quickly to, to the South African players. So just uh, quickly before we before we move away from your academy, um, if you look at the academy of Ireland, how can players or coaches, for that matter, join the rugby academy of Ireland? Obviously, it's open international. It's not only Ireland based. Yeah, no, we we certainly open to internationals, and actually, most of our guys, as I said before, you know, the the Irish market is 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 actually well set up with the provincial academies, although we have Irish lads in our academy, but but it's very much for the international market, you know, and uh, we've been lucky enough every year to have a couple of South Africans. This year we've got a couple of Namibians uh, with us as well. So um, we open for applications for, for next season. Now our season as well is different. We start on the 1st of September and then the season finish on the 30th of April. So we've actually just opened our applications for for 2021 uh, September. And it's basically going on to our website, um, you know, uh, rugbyacademyisland.ie, um, read through it, uh, you know, see is it something that uh, that you'd like to do as a, as a player or as a coach for that matter. And then, and then you get in touch with myself or, or Johan and then we we start start with a process um, from there. But players can join us from a week to a month to two months, three months, six months, and then our main program is nine months. And the same the same with coaches. Um, players join us, as, as I said before, and then after the season that they're with us, uh, we look for them for trial opportunities somewhere in the world, depending their ability. So whether that's going to the States or whether that's somewhere in Europe or Italy or, or Poland or, or wherever, Germany, you know, um, but that, that we can play a part in players' pathways. Some guys are going to be good enough to be professional players. Other guys want to go and play overseas in a different place every year, club, 
club gives them accommodation, gives them a job, and they they play as the club's overseas player, and we feel we've helped them on on that path. Then I'm assuming that all the very good ones you try and keep in Ireland. Yeah, well, obviously, you know, like uh, Irish rugby, you know, there's enough suffers now in the in the Irish team that that uh, there's no reason why there can't be more. <laughs> I hear you, Dan. You mentioned that your your courses or the period that players can join you varies from one month to 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 nine months. Um, how does that differ from the South African model, where they actually get the guys or the players in to to do a three year? Um, qualification yeah look we also have a qualification because we think that's that's very important so we actually are ITEC um, registered uh, college ITEC is uh, it's in 39 countries in the in the world including including South Africa and uh, players have the opportunity whether they pass or not that's unfortunately not up to us but it's a uh, nation but Players have the opportunity to get a strength and conditioning qualification, both in personal training and in strength and conditioning. Uh, through the year, we do NAC sports video analysis. So they come out of our place uh, being able to analyze whether it's a soccer team, a rugby team, a Gaelic team, or, or whatever. Um, we do Cheryl Calder, Dr. Cheryl Calder's iGym. Uh, we do that in, in our academy. And then they do the the coaching courses as well, affiliated referees course and, and all of that. So education is a massive part uh, within our setup, but I guess they don't get a degree or have the opportunity to get a degree like like at the Sharks Academy or so on. Um, but we, from the start, said we are rugby academy with education being the, the help rather than we are education with rugby being sort of second tier. But I think one thing that is a big plus in your academy, if I listen to you, is the fact that you try and place them, regardless of the time frame that they spend with your academy, you try and find them a, 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 a place to play if they want to continue. Yeah, look, and that's going to differ from player to player, as I say, because of ability, because of attitude or work, you know. Um, but we have been successful so far. As I say, we in our third year. In our first year, we only started with three guys. You know, but we had to start somewhere. Yeah. Um, and then last last year we had 10, and this year we had, with COVID, we, we felt it was a very good year for us having 15, 15 guys. Um, and like our, our main guy two years ago, Belgium scrum off that came from Belgium, he didn't know how good he was. He was the best in his generation in Belgium, but what did he compare himself to? So he came over to Ireland, to our academy to learn English, he's French speaking, uh, and then to, to play rugby. And he's now signed with Pau in the top 14. So okay. so he's probably our, our mark, marquee player, if we can if we can say that at the moment. And hopefully there's a lot, there's a lot others to, to come. But Denmark, second row from Denmark this year, we've got a guy from Fiji, we've got two Irish, English, so so we try and cater for uh, for whoever wants. Then, um, Dan, just quickly, um, club rugby in Ireland, um, have you been allowed to go ahead with with um, contact training? And if so, how do you go about it? 
No, look, we we actually different from from yourselves. We uh, for the last month we've been in level five lockdown, so we're getting out of it. Hopefully next week, first of December was the date that they said. As soon as it's level three, we can we can train in our clubs again, uh, and that was what we were used to before we went into lockdown five. So we actually our league started, um, so we weren't too much affected. We we play. Um, we trained, we had contact, uh, we played games, and then suddenly the virus came or had a had a spike again, and and we straight away went into lockdown five. So so hopefully next week we we can start again and and address that. But um, we also train in pots, um, and we we allow touch rugby at the moment. Um, so. Uh, you know, you try and simulate as much as you can about the game, but with without contact. You know. Then just uh, quickly before we wrap up, uh, you've you've left your previous club when I was in Ireland uh, with the Rugby Academy of of Ireland uh, two seasons ago. I think it was. You were at a club called Nath. Um Subsequent to that, you've you've left to Wicklow. Is that uh, the correct pronunciation? Wicklow is the club's name. And how's things going there? Have you is that where you've started? Have you played a season with them already? Things are going well. Yeah, no. As I said, we start. I started in in August with them, and then uh, we started the league, and then came the end of October. Uh, we went into this lockdown, or middle of October, we went into the lockdown for six weeks. So, so hard to judge at the moment, yeah. but uh, club with a lot of potential and. Different, you know, Irish rugby at club level is very well structured and club rugby is really, really strong and you've got different different levels. So there's a level for, for each guy and um, I think that's the reason why Irish rugby is, is reasonably strong is because the club setup is really, really well well structured and it's amateur, you know? yeah. although most clubs will, will have one professional player. Yeah, yeah. And you guys are obviously vying to get promoted. That's why you went there to try and assist. Yeah. So Nice, my previous club played in Division One, the highest level that you can play in Ireland in the All Ireland League. Where the club that I went to now, they on their journey to try and get there. So, Brilliant. so they three four levels lower, um, but with the aspirations to uh, to try and to try and get into the into the main competition. Yeah. So if I can if I can just say to to our viewers that based on when I was in Ireland at the Rugby Academy Ireland for everything that you guys have been, that you've put through and took all the coaches through um, to see the passion and your coaching ability, I think your club is in good hands and they obviously made a right appointment. Um, and even more so, you're South African, although you're a bit confused, I think, but um, it's nice to, to see you working hard to get them up and may you be successful very soon. <laughs> Oh, thanks, Mark. That's 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 great, man. Thanks, thanks for those. Thanks, and maybe if it goes well, we'll come and tour and play a mum's a toti. You more than welcome. You more welcome. than welcome. You more than Please welcome. Please do. <laughs> um, we will we will get the prize ready for you. <laughs> so long. <laughs> Dan, thank you for your time. Thank you very much for joining us and giving us a, an insight and a little bit of a, a peep into Irish rugby. Thank you very much. Yeah, Dan, thanks. Uh, I know. Look, that's an absolute great. No, I'm saying. Can you hear us? Gosh. Uh, well, it looks like we lost Dan. Yeah. So, um, 
we'll see if we can maybe call him back or have a look from there. So for now, let's uh, go to ad break. Thank you to Jock and Frederick Blichnout, Oasis, Water, Mums and Toti. And then thank you to Dan Van Sale for joining us tonight in the studio. And if you've got any questions or comments, please feel free to leave it in the comments below. Following on from our discussion with Dan Van Sale, the Pro 14 this weekend, uh, Leinster 40, Cardiff Blues 5, Zebra 12, Connacht 47, Osprey 24, and Benetton 22. Mark? Yeah, sure. All those all those games um, were played. Some of them in good good condition. Some of them not. Um, you know, Ulster basically started off the the new season where they where they finished the the previous one. Um, what is good about these all the South Africans in there um, have stepped up to the plate yet again, and it's such an awesome awesome competition to be part of. It's just a pity that. You know, we we lost two of our teams that that played in that in that tournament in the beginning of this year. So obviously after COVID, uh, in the Cheetahs and the Kings. But um, having said that, you know, Ulster Ulster played played a good game. Um, they're obviously vying for top honours again this year uh, after the Pro 14. Leinster themselves, they they good as as always. And one mustn't forget that a lot of their Second stringers are coming through to take the clubs forward because of the Autumn Nations Cup. So all the international players are out on international duty. So for those countries participating there, it's it's great for them. We're also listening to Dan and him talking about Ireland being in at level five in lockdown. That sides like Ulster can still still actually play. And they they still in the in the Pro 14. Yeah. So so obviously what has what has happened there is similar to in South Africa now, although we in lockdown level one, um, their provincial sides and, and national sides have been given the go ahead to continue. It's yes. only their club rugby that has stopped. Um, and obviously the conditions the conditions is difficult like that, you know. So I feel for the coaches, but they professional setups. They've obviously done their homework as to how to prepare and obviously if you have a look at the results of this weekend uh, things are looking good in Ireland. It definitely does. And then staying in Europe with the Nations Cup, uh, Wales 18, Georgia 0, England 18, Ireland 7, France 22 and Scotland 15. Ireland getting a bit hammered there by the English. Well, I wouldn't say hammered. Um, 18, 18 7 is definitely not a hammering, but. For Ireland, I think it is. I don't no. think the Irish are going to take lightly to this. Uh, no, definitely not. Uh, Dan, I hope you're listening. Mm. You need to do something. Um, having said that, I mean, the, 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 I think it was 18 0 right until injury time in the second half. So. Um, sounds, to a be sounds like a beating to me. <laughs> before Ireland scored. But um, I, look, it wasn't. It wasn't plain sailing for them. Um, they were, I think the Irish Irish could have done a lot better. Um, you know, having said that, the score is what it is. And, and Eddie Jones is a, is a seasoned, seasoned coach. He knows what's going on. He is. Um, but yeah, Ireland, Ireland will be back. They are, they're a good side. 
I see um, CJ Steiner has also replied on Rassi's remark that the forwards are a bunch of softies, the Irish forwards. He, he didn't want to say too much, but he said he's waiting for South Africa. Yeah, look, it's, it's, it's always a, a coach's thing to, to have a dab at someone. Um, maybe, obviously, one doesn't know where, where it came from. Um, but Rassi being part of Munster and coaching in Ireland for a, for a few seasons, maybe he had a dig at someone or just tongue-in-cheek, I don't know what. But in my experience as a coach, sometimes it comes back to bite you because you um, waking up the, the sleeping giant. And, you know, the Irish and uh, well, all the European guys that are coming to, to South Africa with the British and Irish lines next year will obviously have a point to prove. But having said that, South Africa pride themselves um, with being physical and their forwards trying to dominate and, and more often than not we get it right. I think CJ Steiner is looking forward to have another game like the one at Ellis Park where yeah. he flattened uh, Patrick Lambie and Yankees. Yeah, no, look, it's, it's, luckily that's in the past and, and there's, a, there's a story behind all of that but CJ is actually a very nice guy, um, you know, but being an ex-South African... Um, you know, obviously, it, it, there's feelings involved in this as well. And you know, as the as the Argentine captain said to the referee in the game when they played against um, New Zealand two weeks ago, he said, "We play for our country." And you know, CJ Stander has uh, adopted a new country, and he's and he's proud to play where he is. Uh, at one stage, he was earmarked to take over as a captain there as well. Um, I think it was a massive loss to South African rugby, and. Yeah, let him let him stand up, and you know if he if he wants to come here and and get his teammates firing on all cylinders, great. I think South Africa will be up to the challenge in any case. Looking forward to that test. Definitely. Talking about the Argentinians, they busy, or they are on a rampage down under, beating New Zealand in the last test, and then this weekend drew with Australia. Yeah, look, I think. Um, the the Argentine side, they obviously got the short end of the stick, and I'm saying that because the the Tri Nations, the fixtures were worked out technically to suit New Zealand, um, and I'm saying that from a COVID perspective because the regulations are quite strict when they had to go back to to New Zealand over the Christmas period, so the fixtures had to be adapted slightly for for them to play earlier. So what is now happening is, in theory, New Zealand and Australia play one week and then they rest one week. And then they play one week and they rest one week against Argentina because obviously they played Australia already. Yes. So uh, the, the Argentinians have to play four games, tough games in a row. And I say this with respect, a team like that to produce the goods that they did against New Zealand in the first game for four weeks on the trot is going to be very difficult for them. And, and one, one saw that when they played against Australia. Um, they, weren't, they weren't half as good as they were when they played against New Zealand. Um, Australia, I think, just couldn't finish. A, they created many opportunities which they couldn't finish. But having said that, Argentina is on the up. Their defence was, was good again. I won't say it was as great as when they played against New Zealand, but obviously in this specific game there were no tries scored. Um, we'll see now what's going to happen this current week when 
Australia is off and Argentina play against New Zealand. So proof will be in the pudding. But I can tell you, Argentina better be ready for it because New well, Zealand... New Zealand is not going to take it lightly. They, they, they're not going to take it lying down. That's for sure. And um, you mentioned that Australia has, hasn't had an opportunity to finish or they didn't finish properly. But it was also the Argentinians that didn't give them a chance to do that. No, definitely. Look, there were there were a couple of niggles in, in the game again as, as it was against New Zealand. Um, but I think it's it, Argentina want to stand up now to say enough is enough. We, on the up, we deserve to play against tier one, tier one nations and and with the best. Obviously, that's why they they play in the Autumn Nations Cup and they play in the championships when we are there. That's what it's called, um, and good for them. We need that. Obviously, uh, one of the other uh, the other main things to to mention is. Michael Checker, the ex-Wallaby head coach, is now assistant coach at Argentina. So there was a little bit more niggle in that game, I think. And yeah, may it last long. I mean, you know, put countries one side, it's got to do with rugby, and rugby has to be the winner at the end of the day. Yeah, Checker, I enjoyed this one. Then moving to Super Rugby, our local Super Rugby unlocked. Cheetos 28, Greek was 9. Bulls 21, Pumas 5, and then the Sharks and Storm was cancelled due to COVID. This also saw the Bulls winning the Super Rugby in a game that I believe is a game of two halves. The Bulls scoring all 21 their points in the first half, and the Pumas just never allowed them to score again. Now look, firstly, with regards to the Sharks, their game against the Storm has obviously been called off because of the COVID infections. Um, there was lots of speculation with regards to that to say that because the shark storm was good in play, it was the, the trophy was basically handed to the bulls. It's not really like that. The bulls still needed to play. Um, if you if you look at that specific game, as you said, the bulls were all over the Pumas in the first half. I think they've 21 points came in the 28th minute already. So. Um, and then the Pumas started playing a little bit, you know, and the scoreline obviously isn't exactly the way the game went, but the Bulls did enough to, to win and it did enough to, to lift the trophy. You know, the sad part about this is that um, all three, New Zealand, Australia and South Africa, obviously played in the Super Rugby, like all the different different things now, but it's just like our local rugby technically, which is a Curry Cup, it's just Super Rugby. Um, you know, it's not the same as winning the proper Super Rugby. Obviously, you play against... Yes a lot better sides and more competitiveness and so forth but be it as it may these guys now take their points forward to the curry cup that starts this coming weekend and uh hopefully we'll see some more exciting rugby in south africa the bulls and the Griquas are the only ones that hasn't been affected by the by the covert point system if you want to call it that and now i see that there's a there's a big cry out to to change the the laws to allow for covert cancellations in in games. I think it makes it difficult though for the simple reason that the cheetah specifically um, they were affected twice. I think if I'm not yes. mistaken, um, and they are saying because and they, the lions. Yes, and and but I'm referring to the cheetah specifically because prior to being affected by COVID-19, they. Um, stood a good chance of winning the Super Rugby Unlocked and because of that obviously they fell fell down the pecking order 
Um, the problem with this is if your fixtures are back-to-back -back basically week in and week out, to find a spot in between for your team to play, and the opposing team obviously having to play, and that can only be midweek game because obviously, as we said now, as Super Rugby finished, we start with Curry Cup. There's no time for them to play these no games, so it makes it difficult. But having said that as well, I am sure that Saru um, addressed the rules and regulations about this competition prior to starting, so everyone would have been on board knowing that if there's COVID infections, this is what's going to happen. I mean, I can take you back to the Autumn Nations Cup. We, we alluded with that just now, where Fiji, the second game in a row, had to, their game had to be cancelled because they had 29 infections in their specific squad. Um, hence, Italy, uh, that was supposed to play against them, was awarded five points and 28-point log points was given to them as well. That is part of the competition. So if you come back to Super Rugby in South Africa, these franchises would have known exactly where they stand should there be an infection. Yes. So I, I don't think one one can bring that up now in the middle of a competition or at the end of the competition. That should have been yeah. addressed in the beginning. No, it should have been, but this is now coming from, from the Europe European um, tournaments where, where some of the bigger clubs and the clubs that were actually in the running for the for the club, uh, for the championships, were basically relegated because of COVID, and some of the smaller clubs came through and actually won the the championships because of COVID, and they've got this big cry out now that there should be a scientific way of awarding these the points or somehow working it out. I almost want to call it a duck with Lewis type of system in rugby to to counter this. Well, look, I think. COVID is obviously new to everyone, um, but what I'm saying again, um, for all the organisers across the world, um, and obviously sometimes you take lead from someone else because they're there before you, um, if, if there were no rules and regulations in place and these discussions took place during a competition and all of a sudden you, you cut certain things, then you've got my take on this, you've got something to complain about. Prior to competition, if you sit down, these are the rules and regulations, yes. and you will find that only the ones that could have won the tournament are the ones complaining. The other ones that wouldn't have won or wouldn't have stood a chance in any case, they're the ones that are quiet because there's obviously less, less at stake for them. And, the ones, and the ones that gain from it will say even less. Correct. So, and that's, that's the, the life in general. So, um, but I agree. You know, one, one has gone through this, who knows what's going to well, happen in the something's got to be done and there's got to be a, a scientific way of, of dealing with this. Then moving on to women's rugby again, we've spoken quite a bit about women's rugby. Um, this weekend was the uh, Women's World Cup draw in New Zealand in, New Zealand in 2021, um, seeing South Africa in Pool C with France, Fiji and England. And then Pool A, New Zealand, Australia and Wales. Um, we don't know who the, the fourth one's going to be yet. Um, there's still some playoffs and um, some World Cup qualifiers to be played. And then Pool B sees Canada and uh, USA going through. And then they will, will have Europe 1 and Asia 1 in their pool. Mm. And Ireland seems to be the, the front runners to qualify as the Europe one. 
Yeah, look, it's exciting times. Uh, I think with the Men's World Cup last year in Japan, obviously set the tone and the ladies would like to play their part in, in world rugby as well. Um, having said that, I feel, I feel for South Africa, they are in a very, very difficult pool. Definitely a difficult um, pool. But, you know, as, I, as the saying goes, if you want to be the best, you need to beat the best. So good luck to them and, and I hope they do well. Well, if you look at Pool A as well, New Zealand, Australia and Wales, I mean, New Zealand and Australia are the number ones and twos in the world at the moment. So that's even, even more so. Lucky for South Africa now, one of those two will be eliminated going through. So, so we probably won't see them in the finals or quarterfinals. But yeah, I agree with you. But as I said, you know, if you want to be the best and you need to play against the best, you know, sometimes they say it's a bit watered down if you haven't played at least one of them on the way to the final. So, um, I mean, like, like South Africa, I mean, in theory, we didn't play New Zealand in the knockout stages in the World Cup. They beat us in the first round of the World Cup. Um, and since then we were we were undefeated, you know. So um, and there's some there's some positivity that you can take out of it. And then staying with women's rugby, um, our referee for the Bulls Pumas game, Amy Beretron, she did extremely well, I believe. And yeah, no, a lot of people called for yellow cards and all the rest of it, but she handled it quite well. And I think she gave the Pumas a chance to actually come back at the Bulls. No, I think she did. Uh, what was good about that, other than her decision-making and that, you could see she was relaxed. She looked at if, as if she was at home. She cracked a few jokes with the guys. Um, she never looked under pressure or thought that she might have made a mistake or whatever. And, and it's great. You know, I, I can just imagine being a lady in a, man's, in a man's environment to try and control those guys and you know what the men are like the men would try and override her because she's a lady um, she stuck to her guns and and proof is on the pudding she did very well well to have a couple of springboks on the field with it, the likes of uh, Dwayne Vermeulen and and the rest of them I mean those are big names and it's guys that've been around the block a couple of times and for her to control a game with those that caliber of players is on the field actually just a testimony for the for the players as well as for the for the referee. Obviously, she's been around the block. She's she's refed quite a number of games before, more so obviously for the ladies. But uh, to play or to ref in a, in a in a game like that, where there are, as you said, quite a number of Springboks and there was quite a bit riding on that game as well. Obviously, the Bulls yes. had to had to win. Um, they had a good start, and then all of a sudden they they faded a little bit. So I think the pressure was there. But she handled it well, and, and well done to her. She did. Something I just noticed about the, the assistant referees, they were quite keen to, to run onto the field if they see, see a bit of uh, pulling and shoving. They were quite keen to come and help. Well, you don't blame them. Um, you know, she's a lady at the end of the day. Um, not that the referees do get involved, but yes. some of them step closer and try and get the players apart and blow the whistle and whatever. She's a small girl as well. Um, you know, standing next to Dwayne Vermeulen and those, you can see she's like a midget standing next to them. And, uh, and you can just imagine, I mean, it must be, I'm assuming, um, intimidating for her, you know. But she stood her ground and sure. she did very well. And I think she's got a very bright future ahead of her. And may it last long for South Africa. 100%. And always the first one is always a, a bit of a shaky one. Um, but for her, I think she did a, a sterling job. Definitely. Thank you, Mark. Thank you very much for the 
the insight once again and for sharing all your knowledge with us. Yeah, thanks, Gus. Always nice being in studio, chatting about the sport that we love so dearly. It's also great having Dan join us from Ireland. It was uh, always nice listening to, to someone else, you know, him being an international rugby player himself and then now obviously running the Rugby Academy Ireland and then coaching in Ireland. It's, it's nice to hear different views um, and hopefully our, our listeners enjoy that and you know, if our listeners can just send us a message or two to say what they'd like to hear, maybe questions that we can ask Dan that, uh, that he can answer and then we'll mention their names as well you know, and, and get back to them. Definitely. From myself, Kasper Els, Mark Cameron, thank you for joining Touchline and have a great rugby week.